If you have a Bible, please take it and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, and we'll look specifically at verses 16 through 18 today as we continue in this series through the Sermon on the Mount. Throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus continues to make it clear that he is most concerned not with what we do, but with why we do what we do. Certainly changed hearts result in, in changed actions, but the emphasis here is that Jesus is after our hearts more than he is after our hands and our feet. Therefore, the issue that he had with the Pharisees and the reason that they seemed to show up so much in the Sermon on the Mount was that they were hypocrites. And therefore, they perfectly modeled the kind of heartless righteousness that he wanted to contrast with the true righteousness of his kingdom. And still today, it's this kind of heartless, self-seeking, formalistic hypocrisy that we are all prone to. We often define hypocrisy as saying one thing but doing another. So a pastor is a hypocrite if he preaches against stealing but then embezzles money from the church. A politician is a hypocrite if he calls out corruption but then shakes hands in backroom deals. By this definition, a hypocrite is someone who does not practice what they preach. But that's not the kind of hypocrisy that Jesus is calling out in the religious leaders of his day. We know that in part because they practiced what they preached. With regard to the three aspects of personal righteousness that we find mentioned in Matthew chapter 6, they gave to the poor, they prayed three times a day, and they fasted twice each week. They were very committed to keeping the standards of righteousness that had been laid out for them, more so than many of us are. They kept the letter of the law, so clearly their hypocrisy was not in what they did or didn't do. Rather, it was in why they did what they did. Where were their hearts? What was their motivation? Jesus knew what their focus was on, and he knows that we often drift towards that, that same desire. And that desire, particularly with personal spirituality, is for the praise of others. The longing to be seen and recognized as righteous is ever-present in our hearts, and we often ache for people to acknowledge our righteous acts. And this is what Jesus warns us against. Matthew 6, 1 is the theme verse of the first 21 verses of chapter 6. It says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. We've summarized that warning and teaching like this. In your personal righteousness, seek the praise and glory of God more than you crave the applause of people. That fits well as a main idea over verses 16 through 18, but we might make it specific by saying this. Fast because you long to see God glorified and receive his reward, not because you hunger for the praise of people. Fast. Why? Fast because you long to see God glorified and receive his reward, not because you hunger for the praise of people. Fasting is not common in many of our Christian circles, and its rarity may make it ripe to be used as a means of gaining the praise of other people. Giving to the poor and praying are a bit more commonplace, though maybe not as much as we might think. 
Still, most of us practice those things in, in some ex to some extent. But, but receiving the praise of others is almost certain if they catch wind that you're fasting. And, and our assumption that those who discover our fasting will be impressed by our commitment to Christ is almost just as much of a sure thing. And this is where the issue lies. It is the longing for and looking for this kind of praise from others that Jesus says is so dangerous. And it is so dangerous, which is why he warns us to fast because you long to see God glorified and to receive his reward, not because you hunger for the praise of people. Fasting for God's glory and his reward is, a, is the, the kind of deeper, wholehearted righteousness that Jesus wants from his followers. It's where true flourishing in the kingdom is found. Today, I hope that we, we see the beauty of fasting as a means of drawing near to the Lord, so that whether for the first time or the first time in a while, we are motivated to pursue wholehearted, God-focused fasting as a part of seeking to be fully committed to Christ and his kingdom. You may not struggle with seeking the praise of others for your fasting because you don't fast. But Jesus assumed that we as his followers would fast. And so he teaches us how to do it in the new kingdom way. Let's read Matthew 6 verses 16 through 18, as we seek to understand that. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 16, Jesus says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father, who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. As we explore this big idea, fast because you long to see God glorified and receive his reward, not because you hunger for the praise of people, the logical place to start is with the question, what is fasting? What is fasting? And as I answer this question, know that there, there is much about fasting that we're simply not going to take the time to, to cover. Today, we simply want to to stay focused on what this particular teaching of Jesus says to us about fasting. And if you want to think more about the practice of fasting, there's many good resources. Be happy to point you to some of those things. But in general, what is fasting? Uh, Dr. Jonathan Pennington says it simply in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. Fasting is intentionally abstaining from food and sometimes drink. Very simple. Fasting is abstaining from food and sometimes drink. That, that simple definition could be applied not only to religious practices, but even to certain diets or what you have to do before having some blood work done or maybe having surgery. As an act of devotion, however, fasting has a focus beyond simply our physical health. It reminds us that we are physical, spiritual beings and that the link between these two parts of us is closer than we sometimes imagine. It creates, fasting creates a hunger in our, in our gut that fuels a hunger in our souls. Fasting then is a, is a purposeful and an intentional abstinence from food. It has a, a spiritual goal behind it. Stott mentions four possible goals behind our fasting uh, that may be helpful in, in understanding what fasting is. Uh, the first he says is penitence, penitence. 
So we may be moved by the Spirit to repent and mourn over our sins, whether present sins or, or past sins, and to accompany our penitence, we want to, to fast. We feel moved by the Spirit to do so. We want, we want to allow our body to long with our hearts for forgiveness and for change of heart. We want to mourn over our sin physically in some sense, in the same way that we are spiritually. So we may fast because of, of penitence. Uh, another goal may be prayer. Uh, fasting and prayer are often linked in Scripture, and fasting has a way of, of deepening our dependent, uh, deepening our feelings of dependence on God. So we may, in light of a particular situation, pray and fast for God to move or to act on our behalf, to give us wisdom, to give us direction. We might fast for the salvation of a friend or of a relative. We might fast for the repentance of a brother or sister in Christ. We might fast and pray for an end to the current pandemic. We might fast and pray for justice in regard to racial equality, even while we are fasting and praying prayers of penitence for our sins and the sins of others. So we think about penitence, we think about prayer. A third goal of fasting could be self-discipline. Self-discipline. As we fight the good fight of faith, we, we can learn self-control and discipline in other areas of lives by saying no to our physical appetites, specifically by saying no to hunger. Fasting may be a way of disciplining our, our bodies, as Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 9, so that we can crave after what we truly long for as children of God. And a fourth way, goal of fasting could be solidary love. Solidary love. We who do not miss a meal because of lack of money or lack of access to food, we may choose to fast for a meal to remember the hungry that are in our world, possibly even giving the money or the, the food that we would have, have eaten to someone in need. This is the opposite of the fast that you read about in Isaiah 58. And so there's different goals um, to fasting. However, with all of these goals, the ultimate goal is God. Even as we fast because of our sin or because of something we're asking God to do or for any other reason, our final goal is knowing God more and seeing him exalted more in our world and in our lives. When we, when we fast, we are saying to God that there is something we want more than food. And the bedrock thing that we desire most is God and his work in and through us. We fast because we want God and we want him to be glorified. If our desire for God is weak, fasting can awaken it. If our desire for God is strong, fasting can deepen it. When we fast, as with prayer, we are opening ourselves up to allow God to shape our desires closer to his desires. Fasting is not a means of, of creating the desire for God. Apart from the work of the Spirit, through faith, we have no desire for God. On our own, we are rebels against him and are only self-seeking people. But if we have come to Christ through repentance and faith, then we are new creations in Christ Jesus, and therefore we have new desires. And fasting for the Christian then reawakens and deepens the desires that we have been given by God through Jesus, a desire for God and a desire for his glory that have come through the new birth. And so that's in general what fasting is. Again, much more could be said, but hopefully that clarifies it a little bit. 
And what Jesus is helping us to see here in, in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount is that even in fasting, even in an act of devotion intended to awaken a desire for God alone, even in fasting, we can find ourselves twisting this act into, into something sinful, into something self-focused. And so we need to ask, what is unique about Christian fasting? That's, I think, what Jesus is saying here. We may not even, you may not even want to say Christian fasting. You could say New Kingdom fasting. What is unique? What is different about Christian fasting? What is unique about New Kingdom fasting? The actual act of fasting, it will likely look similar across the religious spectrum. On, on the surface, there, there really is not a Christian way to not eat. Some of the practical steps involved in longer fasts and in fasts in general are going to be true across the board for anyone. We may even be able, we may even be tempted to think that Christian fasting isn't really a thing. We may dismiss fasting as something that is more at home in, in other faiths, in the, in the Muslim religion or with Hindus or even in Roman Catholic traditions. But nearly all acts of, of piety and religious devotion are, are shared by the world religions. Even each faith tradition practices giving to the poor. They practice prayer and attendance at worship services, silence and solitude, and all the like. We as Christians have, have emphasized some more than others, though it's interesting here in Matthew 6 that when Jesus wants to address true personal righteousness in the kingdom, he includes fasting in this short list of, of three practices. And of course, what's different in, in all of these practices from, from the ways that other religions might practice it is that what Jesus is aiming for in us doing these things is he's aiming for our hearts as his followers. He's not concerned simply about us following laws or keeping certain fasts, but he's interested in having our whole heart devotion to him. So how then does the, the truth of the gospel change the attitude and the posture of our hearts as we fast as Christians. Three thoughts from this passage that will frame uh, our thinking and will frame this text. First, Christian fasting is not self-focused. Christian fasting is not self-focused. I think we're all excited about taking steps towards regathering as a church. Of course, some of the perks of at-home church will be gone. You probably won't wear your pajamas to the service anymore. Uh, my kids probably won't dance to the music as much as they have in our in our living room, though it'd be kind of cute if they did. Um, you'll also not be able to eat snacks during the service like you might do as you sit on your couch, uh, which means that it's it's going to be back to uh, to trying to hide the the, stu the sound of your stomach growling in the middle of church, or, or maybe that's just me. Uh, I assume that everyone has experienced at some point if they've gone to church for some period of time. Uh, the anguish of trying to hide your stomach growling in the middle of a sermon. Uh, it's not usually an issue when I'm preaching, but I can remember as a youth or as a child, in those last five minutes of a sermon, trying to hide my hunger pains. Now, the Pharisees were a little bit different than adolescent Andy sitting in the church balcony. As they practiced fasting on Mondays and Thursdays each week, they wanted everyone to know just how hungry they were so that everyone could also know just how holy they were. They, they went to great pains to make their outward appearance reveal the fact that they were fasting. Maybe at its root, their, their fasting had an element of Godward desire to it. 
maybe early on, but the majority of their focus was not on God, but was on what others thought of them, which means that they were selfish. And we are drawn to that same trap. We are tempted to allow how we look or the things we say to reveal to others that we are fasting so that they will honor us. And the desire for the praise of others is ultimately self-centered. As Martin Lloyd-Jones said, ultimately our only reason for pleasing men around us is that we may please ourselves. Such selfishness cannot be a part of Christian fasting. If true, if true kingdom fasting is in part saying, God, I desire you more than I desire food, then there's no place for also desiring and purposely seeking the praise of others. So Christian fasting is, is not self-focused. It's not focused on receiving the praise of others. But what then is the, is the remedy for self-focused, selfish fasting? As with giving, as with prayer in this, in this chapter, we see the second thought that Christian fasting is to be done in secret. Christian fasting is to be done in secret. The Pharisees tried to look like they were fasting. But Jesus says that we should simply look like we always do when we are fasting. His call here in the passage to uh, anoint your head and to wash your face are not hinting at some sort of uh, extraordinary grooming. Rather, he simply says that when we fast, we should do what we normally do before we leave the house. The simple act of, of combing your hair and washing your face before you leave the house as you are fasting says to your heart, the, the act of, of, of walking out looking like we normally do, not trying to draw attention to ourselves, it says to our hearts, this fasting is for God's eyes. It's not for anyone else. And God, as we've been told throughout this passage, sees all that is done in secret. And he knows. But what if someone else does see? What if someone else notices that we are fasting? It may be inevitable that your, your spouse or your family or, or your co-workers notice that you're not eating. And if they ask us what we're doing, the, the righteous thing to do is, is not to lie, but to simply say, I'm, I'm fasting, with the possible addition of some sort of explanation as to, to why you are fasting. Now, does that, does that ruin and, or, or contaminate your fast before the Lord? Of course it doesn't. Uh, John Piper explained it simply and clearly, thinking about this passage. He said, being seen fasting is different than fasting to be seen. Being seen fasting is, is a lot different than just fasting so that you will be seen. Re remember, Jesus is focused on our hearts. And if our, our focus is on the glory of God and is centered on a longing for him and his will in our world, even if people see what we are doing, we can still be honoring God with the heart attitude that we have in our fast. Even a corporate fast done with others' knowledge can have the, the secret Godward focus that Jesus is speaking of here. And so Christian fasting is not self-focused. It's to be done in secret. And finally, Christian fasting seeks the reward of the Father. Christian fasting seeks the reward of the Father. Besides the word Father, the most repeated theme in verses 1 through 21 is that of reward. As, as we've seen, Jesus is often telling us not to seek the reward of human praise, 
he says that if we if we do receive praise from others then that's the only reward we will get and he also calls us to seek the reward of the father we don't like the idea of doing anything for our reward we have all somehow picked up along the way that this idea that righteousness for the sake of reward is is wrong we should only be seeking the glory of god not not any personal gain or personal good and yet what if seeking the glory of god also brought to us the greatest reward what if devoting our lives to honor god alone actually leads us into the flourishing life that only God can give us, that is a reward. What if seeking the praise of God and seeking our greatest joy could in fact be the same thing? You see, the reward of the praises of others is what we often seek. But the reward of the praises of others is a cheap substitute for the reward of the Father. Because we were not created to be praised by people. We were created to praise and glorify God and enjoy him forever. And when we are, are doing what we have been created for, we will find our deepest joy. That's, that's what true Christian, Christian fasting does. It seeks to honor God. It says to God, you alone can satisfy me. It says, as Jesus said, that our true food is to do the will of the Father. And when we're able to fast for the reward of the Father, for the reward of glorifying God alone, then we will know true joy. Practically speaking, walking in the ways that, that glorify God also brings the, the joy of flourishing here and now. Just as, as the wisdom literature like Proverbs helps us to see that the, that the wisest paths to walk in bring blessing here and now, so too the, the way of the kingdom lays out the, the path of greatest joy and blessing here in the present. It may not be the easiest or the simplest, but it's the only path that will allow, it, allow us to truly flourish in this world as God intended. And so Christian fasting seeks the reward of the Father. It, it selflessly and secretly practices this act of private righteousness as a way of seeking the reward of the Father alone. The reward of, of glorifying God, of enjoying Him forever, and of walking in the ways of flourishing and joy that are found only in the ways of the kingdom. So ha having clarified what Christian fasting is and seeing that Jesus in His words, when you fast, assumes that we will fast as His followers, the most obvious application of this text is to say, that we most definitely should make fasting a regular part of our lives. Not a once every few years kind of thing, not an only when others ask me to do it kind of thing, but a regular practice that draws our hearts closer to the Lord. A consistent routine that turns our desires away from the things of the earth and towards the things of God through fasting. You might even begin this week. You might give it a try. Uh, maybe try skipping lunch a day and that could turn into a practice of, of maybe one lunch a week that you spend time in fasting and in prayer you could try a 24-hour fast uh, maybe not eating after dinner one evening and then breaking your fast at, at dinner time the next night maybe you have questions about what it will do to, what, what will fasting do to my heart how will this affect my soul what are the practicalities of it look of of fasting 
You could certainly read more about fasting and you could find answer, answers to those questions. But I think there's, there's nothing like just giving it a try and learning for yourself why Jesus encouraged his followers to practice fasting. There's no school for fasting like fasting. And as you try it, as you maybe pick up the practice again after you've left it off, or as you feel emboldened to continue in the practice of fasting, remember, turn your focus away from yourself. Don't, don't make this a, a selfish practice. And don't do it for other people. Wash your face and fast in secret. And fast believing, even seeking, the reward of the Father. The reward of the Father and the, the joy of glorifying Him and of walking in His ways. Uh, let me end with a more general comment about these 21 verses in, in chapter 6. As we've kind of wrapping up a few weeks thinking about these, I think the simplest way to, to look at this section and to understand what it's trying to say is to just remember two words. The two words that I would use right now are resist and reward. Resist and reward. In the realm of personal righteousness and the practices of religious devotion, resist the urge to be seen by anyone other than the Father. Resist the urge to be seen by anyone other than the Father. And secondly, desire the reward of the Father more than the praises of people. Desire the reward of the Father more than the praises of people. We're tempted in a myriad of ways every day to let others see what we're, we are doing and to seek their praise. But the way of the follower of Jesus is to resist the urge to be seen by anyone other than the Father and to desire the reward of the Father more than the praises of people. May God the Father enable us to do just that. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for these clear and simple words from Jesus on fasting. Lord, our hearts long for you, but they do not long for you enough. And so we thank you for this, this gift of fasting that can call us into a deeper longing. Lord, help us not to twist it into something that we would use so that others would praise us, into something that we would use for selfish reasons, into a box that we would check off that makes us feel more spiritual. But rather, Lord, let us do it with pure hearts, not from selfishness, not to seek the praise of others, but to seek the reward of glorifying you. And Father, when we glorify you, we will know true joy. When we walk in the ways of your kingdom, we will know true flourishing in this world. Lord, make us wholehearted disciples. Make us those who love you with everything that we are. Lord, give us a hunger for you. And may you do that even through fasting. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.